warm greetings and pranams to all of you around the world, far and near. Our Guru Paramahansa Yogananda said, As you look into the face of each person you meet, think within. It is God who has become this form. As I look into the camera, I cannot see your face, but I know you are there, each one a unique expression of divinity looking back. My name is Sister Madhuri, and it is my privilege to be with you. We have a profound topic, the life and world-changing power of prayer. Paramahansa Yogananda, who we sometimes refer to as Master or Guruji, said, Most men consider the course of events as natural and inevitable. They little know what radical changes are possible through prayer. As we know, prayer was a way of life for our Guru in all circumstances of his life. Remember when he was a boy, his wish to have a kite blown his way for help with his university examinations, for help with so many people in his life, for help to find his Guru, and for help to fulfill his mission of getting each one of us back to God. Now, our Guru wants us to know that we are not at the mercy of anything that happens to us or around us because God has given us powerful means through prayer to positively change ourselves and others. As souls, we have within us all the knowledge about prayer that we will ever need. But in this delusive world, we've forgotten much. So now, let us blend our intuition to see what Master wants to help us remember about prayer and how it can help us. Now, since prayer is a vast topic and we cannot possibly cover it all in one class, we will be focusing on Paramahansaji's guidance to help us deepen our prayers, two factors that influence the effects of our prayers, and that is a concept of God we can trust and the effects of our thoughts. Then we will look at tangibly answered prayers, followed by seemingly unanswered prayers, and also how we can add to the world-changing power of prayer. So this class is experiential. We'll be practicing a few affirmations, and I will invite you to mentally answer some questions. We will conclude with a prayer by the healing light of God, followed by a quiet prayer, what Guru calls asking reverent questions. So there you are, and here we go. Concerning prayer, Master said, Most people consider the course of events as natural and inevitable. They little know what radical changes are possible through prayer. So now I will ask my first question. You may want to close your eyes and see what first comes to mind. The question is, what does prayer mean to you? There are so many ways to connect with divinity, and Guruji has given us different types of prayers for all the experiences of our lives. And among the prayers are whispers of devotion, prayer demands, praying not as a beggar, but as a divine child of God, prayer affirmations, prayers of devotion and gratitude, prayers for increasing willpower, healing, and wisdom, devotional chanting, and prayers for answers to our reverent questions. So Guruji knew that we are all different and his prayers and affirmations reflect this. For instance, in scientific healing affirmations, there are different affirmations to use according to the specific nature of the individual. So you can see what nature you see yourself as, imaginative, intellectual, aspiring, emotional, volitional, 
or striving. Further, Guruji has given us different categories of affirmations to use for whatever we may need at the moment. If we want healing or increased wisdom, psychological success or spiritual success. Guruji points out that any words that are spoken with clear realization and concentrated attention actually have materializing value. And when we repeat his words with devotion and attention, we have his added spiritual power and blessings behind them because they're outpourings of his divine realization. So affirmations are a powerful form of prayer. I would like to suggest that everyone review this beautiful lesson number five, which is exclusively about prayer and is entitled Communing with God Through Prayer. And for any of you who do not have the lessons and would like to learn more, uh, a link is provided below. In this lesson, Master gives a one-sentence definition of prayer that is so profound. The true universal art of prayer is a means for reestablishing your eternal, irrevocable, yet long-forgotten personal relationship with God. So let's define some of these terms. First of all, reestablishing signifies we already have a relationship with God, but we have long forgotten it. As you know, eternal means forever, so our relationship with God is long-term. My favorite word, irrevocable. It means binding, irreversible, permanent. Each one of us has a relationship with God that can never be broken or torn apart. And lastly, the relationship is personal on both sides, God's and ours. Whether we know it or not, our souls are longing for God's perfect, all-fulfilling love and ever new joy. And God, who is the master of the whole universe, who has everything, desires our love and will openly respond to us when our yearning is very strong. And we can increase the strength of our yearning by meditation and practice of the techniques of prayer that Guruji's given us. Now, to deepen our prayers, Master has brought to us, and of course, this is his mission, the science of Kriya Yoga. It has specific meditation techniques to bring the life force and awareness inside to the spinal centers where we begin to have the perception of God. And this week, you all have attended classes on the reviews of these sacred techniques. As Master describes, stilling the body and mind with the self-realization technique of concentration, merging the consciousness with the sound of Om, and magnetizing the spine and brain by the practice of Kriya Yoga. I think we've all found that our prayers and affirmations are greatly intensified when we first calm the mind by the practice of these meditation techniques. Now in lesson number five, Master also talks about what he calls the art of absorbed prayer. He said, whenever you pray, your mind should be so completely absorbed in the prayer that you forget you are separate from God. We are never separate but from God, but sometimes it can feel like it. To illustrate this, I have a beautiful story that was told to me by one of the monastics. My elderly sister was rushed to the hospital for emergency surgery. My sis and I are very close. So as soon as I got the news, I went right to my room and sent up some loving, though intense, prayers. I didn't want to pray for getting better or that she be healed, because that was up to God and her karma. 
What I did was to deeply ask God and Master again and again that she experience their loving care. My sister pulled through, and when she was able to speak a day or two after the surgery, she mentioned that she was fine and what was the big deal, typical of my sister. And then she stunned me by saying she was experiencing the most loving care that she could ever imagine. Floor moppers, nurses, doctors, food people, they just couldn't do enough for her. And oh, she said, God must have been helping too, with a huge hearty laugh let, let me know she was fine. Just hearing her repeat my exact prayer for her sent shivers up the spine. A few days later, I was in Diamata's office for a work matter, and I shared with her my story. She listened quietly with those beautiful blue eyes just sparkling. When I finished, Ma sweetly took my hand in hers and said, God has heard your prayer and quietly answered it as you asked, and he wanted you to know. Then Ma added, prayer to God must be the most intimate of conversations. Just like both of us here sharing this beautiful story, nothing else exists, nothing interrupts, and that is how you must pray. As you strive to know that loving and compassionate being, in time you will find that he belongs to you and you belong to him and you will find that your prayers have become the soul's love song to God. Sri Dayamata, whose name means Mother of Compassion, said, Give to God just one thought of sincere love and longing, and he responds, My child, one silent call from the depths of your soul, and I am there in an instant. Whether we feel it or not, when we give God that simple soul call, he is promised, he is there. So let us now read together a devotional prayer of Master from Songs of the Soul. Now these prayers of our Guru are the result of a God-realized being. And in that realization, our Guru was ecstatically in love with God. So at this time, I invite everyone to close your eyes and let's begin with a double exhalation and a long, slow, deep, deep inhalation and a long, slow, deep, deep exhalation. Please follow along mentally as I repeat this prayer of our Guru twice. Breathe in me the way to love you that I may learn to faultlessly love you. Pour me the wisdom wine by which I become intoxicated with you. Whisper in my ears of silence the way to be with you always. Breathe in me the way to love you that I may learn to faultlessly love you. Pour me the wisdom wine by which I become intoxicated with you. Whisper in my ears of silence the way to be with you always. Now these are Master's words and they are wonderful, but wonderful too are the loving thoughts that we offer to God from our own hearts. He wants that personal relationship. He wants to know the love that's in our hearts. So now, from the quiet and devotional, we're going to change energy somewhat to have a healing affirmation by the power of will. And this is from Scientific Healing Affirmations. For any of you who are interested in healing the body, our Guru has these encouraging words. There are new cells forming in our bodies each day. By affirmations, impress upon these new cells life, health, perfect manifestation. So now once again, let's close our eyes, please, and 
begin with a double exhalation. A long, slow, deep, deep inhalation. And a long, slow, deep, deep exhalation. With eyes closed, Master instructs us to concentrate simultaneously on the medulla oblongata, which is the soft spot at the back of the skull, and the point between the eyebrows, which is the center of will in us. So as I read this affirmation twice, feel that you're bringing in the life energy by the power of our own wills coupled with God's will. I will life force to charge. With godly will, I will it charge. Through my nerves and muscles all, my tissues, limbs, and all, with vibrant tingling fire, with burning joyous power, in blood and glands, by sovereign command, I bid you flow. By my command, I bid you glow. By my command, I bid you glow. I will life force to charge. With godly will, I will it charge. Through my nerves and muscles all, my tissues, limbs, and all, with vibrant tingling fire, with burning joyous power, in blood and glands, by sovereign command, I bid you flow. By my command, I bid you glow. By my command, I bid you glow. If we had longer, we would repeat this affirmation over and over, first loudly, then softly, then mentally, taking it deeper and deeper until we sense that our cells are literally glowing with God's healing life energy. Now, let us consider the world-changing power of prayer. Very important. When we pray deeply for ourselves or for others, we uplift ourselves. And changing ourselves for the better uplifts the whole world. And lest you think this is an exaggeration, listen carefully to these words of Master. Our Guru said, individual effort can be even more important than mass karma. One who in every way tries to uplift himself, harmonizing body, mind, and soul with the divine, creates positive karma, not only in his own life, but in his family, neighborhood, country, and world. Hence, it is not justified to say, thousands of people are misbehaving, so it doesn't matter if I am too. No. Master goes on, the goodness of one soul may effectively neutralize the mass karma of millions. Let me repeat that. The goodness of one soul may effectively neutralize the mass karma of millions. So our prayerful efforts and even our small choices to act rightly can have radically positive effects on ourselves and upon others, as you will see by some of the stories I will be sharing. But first, let's consider two factors that greatly influence the results of our prayers. And the first one is a concept of God that we can trust. So we come now to our next question. It's in two parts. Again, I invite you to please close your eyes and visualize the concept of God that you hold most dear. Divine Father, Mother, Friend, or any of our six gurus, or an impersonal concept of God. 
such as all-pervading love. And the question is, is your concept of God one that you can trust completely, that God loves you and will never let you down no matter what? This next story is one of my favorites because it's so simple and it was told to me by one of our members who was searching for a concept of God that she could trust. Now she had heard Master and Ayamata say on numerous occasions how much they loved Divine Mother, but she herself did not feel any closeness to that concept of God. But then she read these words of Sri Dayamata from her book, Only Love. And these words we can certainly think of as helping us in these times. No matter how great the trials that come into your life, no matter what the tests, remember that Divine Mother is protecting you. We should not be surprised to encounter difficulties and struggles on the spiritual path. Sooner or later, they confront every devotee. We should face them bravely, confident in the knowledge that the grace of Divine Mother's love and protection is with us. So our dear devotee told Divine Mother very frankly that she did not feel close to her but would really like to, and could Divine Mother help her out with this? A few months passed with no reply, even though our member reminded Divine Mother often of her wish. Then one day, as she was surfing the internet, she came across a little video clip of a mother lion and her cubs. Now her three little cubs were, were obliviously playing close to her side, but she noticed that the look in that mother's eyes was so Fiercely intense, it was scary. She said either there was danger nearby or she simply did not like the camera person. But our member thought, you do not mess with a mother lion's cubs. Then she came to the next video clip. Same mother lion, only this time she thought, she must have thought everything was fine because she was laying on her side and her three little cubs were jumping all over her. One was chewing on her ear and one was nuzzling its head into her neck and one was pulling her tail. And she noticed that the look on the mother lion's face was one of utter bliss. And then this feeling came over her and she said, I was stunned. That is an expression of Divine Mother's love and protection for us. And she also noticed how much joy the mother lion was having from just being with her cubs. And she thought further and she said, this is a mother lion. Would Divine Mother offer to us something less? No, infinitely more. And from then on, the concept of Divine Mother became her most treasured way of thinking about God and one that she trusted completely. So we never know how or in what form our prayers will be answered. I asked a number of monastics and members what aspect of God means the most to them. One of the nuns shared with me, that when she begins her meditation, she first begins by establishing her personal connection with God. She said, I mentally place myself in front of the image of God, such as Divine Mother, and say, You have known me since the beginning of time, since you first created me. You know everything about me, everything that is in my heart and then she begins her meditation. The second factor that influences the results of our prayers is our thoughts about ourselves, and sometimes we might not even be aware of them. I want to share a story 
Many years ago, I was leading a weekend retreat in Encinitas, and one of the members asked to speak with me during the break. I don't know what to do, she said. I want to be positive, as you have been speaking about. But within this past year, my dearest brother and my dearest friend passed away. I'm close to losing my job, and my complicated health might even be terminal. I thought within, oh, Master, what will I say? And I pictured him standing right with us, and I just started talking. To say that I feel for you seems wholly inadequate. But even so, let me ask you a question. Given everything that is happening in your life right now, what is the predominant thought you are telling yourself about yourself? She answered immediately. She said, what's the use of trying? Everything bad is coming to me. I said, you may want to look at that. And it was as if a light had gone in her, in her mind and she said, because I'm powerful? And I nodded. So she went within for a few moments and then she said, I can change that. From now on, I am going to affirm in this life, I have found my guru. Everything good is coming to me. And she said it with power behind it. I saw this devotee six months later at the Christmas open house beaming. She said, you're not going to believe this. I said, tell me. She said, I lost my job, but I got a better one. My parents, with whom I've been estranged for years, are really reaching out to me. And my health though it's not easy, is not terminal. But the most important thing is, I know I'm not alone. I have Master. So we come to our next question. Again, I invite you to close your eyes. And even though the answer may not be simple, I will now ask all of you the question I asked of this devotee. Given everything that is happening in your life right now, what is the predominant thought you are telling yourself about yourself? That underlying thought that we tell ourselves about ourselves is highly operative in our lives. We are made in the image of God, and as God first creates by thought, so too do we. So if we find that that thought is not positive, we have the power to change it, and our guru is more than willing and ready to help us if we but ask. Have you ever found that what happens to us in life is not as profound as the stories we tell ourselves about what happens? Master said, essentially, conditions are neither good nor bad. They're always neutral, seemingly to be either depressing or encouraging because of the sad or bright attitude of the mind of the individual concerned with them. The conditions are neutral. It's what we tell ourselves. So these next stories illustrate that what we tell ourselves and how we look at something changes our experience of them. The first story concerns a man who is walking down a country road and comes to a large construction site. At least he thinks that's what it is because there's this huge hole in the ground. And at three places around this hole, three men are all digging. So he walks up to the first person and he says, what are you doing? And the man looks up and says, I'm digging a ditch. He walks up to the second person and asks, what are you doing? He said, this is my job. I'm working. He walks further until he comes to the third person and asks, what are you doing? The man paused, smiled and said, I'm building a cathedral. Each person doing the same thing 
but most likely having a different experience by the thoughts that they are telling themselves. This next story concerns an interaction between Master and Miramata. Now, for those of you who don't know, Miramata was the mother of Rinalini Mata, and she was one of Master's foremost loyal and devoted disciples. Now, she passed away a few years after I entered the ashram, but I had the privilege to attend some of her classes for the nuns. We all loved her. She was so positive, and she was very direct with Master. In the beginning of her years at the Hollywood Temple India Center, when she had not known Master for very long, she was suffering because of the loud ambulance sirens right across the street. There were a number of hospitals, and these sirens went on all night. And sometimes she would wake up and she would not be able to get back to sleep. So Master must have known, because one day he asked her if she was resting well at night. She replied, oh, sir, those ambulance sirens, they're driving me crazy. And he asked her, how do you make such a statement? And she said, sir, those things are noisy all night long. I can't sleep. Terrible. And then he said, did you ever think to stop and say a little prayer? Thank you, Lord, that somebody is taking care of your children. Someone is ill or hurt and is being rushed to a place where they can receive help. Did you ever send a little prayer after the ambulance? She said, no, sir. And he said, try it. And she did, sincerely. And she said that completely changed her attitude. And she would pray for the person who was being rushed to the hospital and also for the driver. And she said her whole attitude became one of gratitude. She said from that moment on, she was never again bothered by the sound of those sirens. This next story can be thought of as a reflection of Sri Gyanamata's prayer, Change no circumstance of my life, change me. And it has a title. It's called, Who's Getting on the Elevator? So one of our members works in an office building that has just one elevator. And being very busy and often in a hurry, she was often frustrated when the elevator she wanted the elevator to go up, and it was pulled down instead. And she noticed that this was fast becoming a daily irritation. So then, one time she read Sri Dayamata's words, In all life's experiences, it is God alone with whom we have to do. And she thought, who's getting on the elevator? God is. And so then she began to look forward to having the elevator go down to see in what form God would step on the elevator. And something beautiful happened. She said, with that thought in mind, my smile or just a simple good morning must have been so genuine that it often invoked a lovely response from the person. She actually reached the point that she was sorry when the elevator was not pulled down. This next story is an example of answered prayers that are tangible almost immediately. So this is a story told to me by one of the nuns uh, before she entered the ashram. She'd been on the path about three years, and she attended a coaching institute that had different lectures coming in the evening. And she said one of those lectures was extremely grumpy. She said we were all afraid of him. No one wanted to sit up front and ask him any questions. So she decided after a while that maybe there was something she could do about this. So she told me that in one of her meditations, she visualized God's light entering him. 
And she said, as I made the effort to do so, I felt that the light was not really reaching him inside. So I forced the light into him with all my might. She said, during the next class, he looked around and he said, why are you all sitting in the back? And then in a playful tone said, are you all scared of me? And she said that the students were astounded because he was using a little humor and he had never done that before. So what happened was from that time on, his lectures were filled with humor as well as the knowledge that he wanted to impart. And also he became their favorite lecturer. And she said, thanks to the transforming power of Master's light that can change anyone. So that's quite a change, isn't it, for one prayer? At Mother Center, we receive so many testimonials of answered prayers and healings through the effort of our worldwide prayer circle, the monastics and all of you praying for those in need. One of our devotees recently had a very difficult five-hour spinal surgery. And before that, not only had she prayed, but she had reached out to a number of our members and asked them to pray. She said, throughout the entire ordeal, I felt absolutely carried by the avalanche of prayers and love coming my way. The doctors were amazed at how successful the surgery was, as well as my recovery. Our next topic is seemingly unanswered prayers. What happens when we think that God does not answer our prayers? Master said, never think that God does not answer your prayers. Every word that you have whispered to him, he has written in his heart, and someday he will answer you. If you keep watching for him and the many ways in which he does respond, you will know that in fact, he answers you all the time. And haven't we all noticed that? Sometimes a little desire is answered and no one knew. God knew. And another occasion, Guruji said, be fair with God. Perhaps he has something better for you in mind than what you are praying for. Sometimes devotees who are going through particularly long periods of difficulties wonder how they can even cope. Sister Gyanamata offers this advice. Turn to God and fill your consciousness with the realization of His perfection. Let your weakness be dissolved in the worshipful thought of His strength. But there's something else to consider. You may have asked for it. So let me explain by telling you the story of Sister Ambalika, one of our Guru's early disciples. Before entering the ashram, Sister Ambalika had a difficult life. When she was only one year old, she was put into an orphanage. And later on in her life, she was able to locate her biological mother. She spent a long time trying to earn her mother's love and never succeeded. And after the orphanage, she lived with foster parents. There were some good parts, but there was a lot of suffering there too. So after many years of searching and longing, she attended a service at the Hollywood Temple and met Master. He had invited anyone who wished to speak with him following the service. Sister Ambalika wrote, Believe me, I was the very first in line to meet him. My first words to him were, Oh, sir, I want to come and be a renunciant. I know, he said, I've been waiting for you. Oh, sir, I explained, why didn't I meet you years before? He looked straight into my eyes for a long time. It seemed many minutes passed. And I tried to be completely open. I wanted him to see all the good in me, 
all the bad everything. And then he said, My dear child, just before you were born, you asked to pay off your past bad karma in this life. That is why you've been so busy. So who knows what choices we made before we incarnated. Maybe when we're in the astral world, we see clearly how much is to be gained by going through trials, and we tell Master that we want to take on a lot in this next life. And from time to time, our members tell us, I must have been terrible in a past life because I have all this bad karma. They may be the very ones who are heroic, who told Master, bring it on, I'll take on a lot in this next life. And if you think maybe you are one of these brave warriors, we honor you and we pray for you. Once again, let us consider world prayer. Have you ever wondered if there's life on other planets, or where the Earth is in its current state of evolution, or what the balance is here of good and evil? Well, if you have, Master answers it all in this next paragraph from his book, God Talks with Arjuna. Master writes, In his vast creative display, the Lord has provided for every coterie of evolution and interest of his creatures. There are sattvic universes, and notice that the word is not planets, it's universes. There are sattvic universes in which, which contain fundamentally good beings. There are rajasic universes in which the bulk of the beings are passionate with desirable activity. The earth is predominantly rajasic in its stage of evolution. In the strata between good and evil, it is about midway. And then he goes on to talk about universes that are dominated primarily by tamasic or evil manifestations, bestial creatures such as the Earth's prehistoric ages of dinosaurs. Well, what does this mean for us? It means that Divine Mother who loves each one of us and wants only our highest has chosen this Earth at this particular time for our evolution. As we know again, this earth is not our true home. We were not going to find everlasting happiness here. But it is our God-given opportunity to use our free will to try to sincerely progress towards God-realization. It means that in a world that is midway between good and evil, that we by Guru's blessings, and by our sincere efforts to live by his motto, only love can take my place, and by humbly seeking God in the stillness of meditation, that together we can tip the scales for the good and sacred in this world. We can each live a sattvic life even now, and regarding our efforts, I have always appreciated these encouraging words of Master. He said, God counts generously the merits of the devotee's heart and strivings. Once again, God counts generously the merits of the devotee's heart and strivings. At this time, I thought you might like to know some of the ways that the monastics are praying for you. I had asked some of them what means the most to them about prayer. One said, The most meaningful prayer to me is the healing service prayer. From beginning to end, it is so thrilling and fulfilling. Chanting Om and feeling the energy go out to all God's children and to the world for peace and harmony, it gives me a sense of purpose and a gift to me from Master making me feel that I am contributing in this profound way to the cause. Guruji's healing service, monastics and all of you, it is so powerful for sending he God's healing light to all. 
Another way of praying is that I want to show you this. It's a little prayer booklet that one of the nuns made, and it's a flip prayer booklet, and each page has the name of a country on it. So when she comes to her desk in the morning, she flips it to the name of the country. She looks the country up on the internet, especially noting the pictures of the people, and she prays for them. And she says that she has felt such an expansion of love in her heart for the different countries. Recently, I passed by two nuns, and they looked so happy. They were on their way to join the other nuns to assemble the beautiful material for our new Kriya initiates. This is a very sacred project for us. And the nuns work in silence because they are praying for each new initiate. Now, as monastics, when we practice Guruji's healing service and pray for you in these ways, is there power in what we do? When you practice Guruji's healing service and pray for others, is there power in what you do? Of course there is. We never should doubt it for a moment. These ways of praying are powerful. We will now practice the following affirmation, a very well-known one by our Guru, for bringing in the healing light of God. I am submerged in eternal light. It permeates every particle of my being. I am living in that light. The Divine Spirit fills me within and without. We can also adapt this affirmation to send God's healing light to others. They are submerged in eternal light. It permeates every particle of their being. They are living in that light. The Divine Spirit fills them within and without. This beautiful affirmation has often been used by small groups of people who pray for others. A number of years ago, when one of the nuns, she had a brother who was dying of a terminal illness, five of us got together and lovingly practiced this prayer affirmation. And shortly before he passed away, he wrote to the nun and he said, I don't think I ever expressed to you how peaceful and good I feel even at the peak of my misery, which is pretty miserable. There is no room for pity in my heart because I am surrounded by so much love. Her brother transitioned in a state of love and gratitude. So now, I invite you to close your eyes and please think of someone or more than one person who you would like to send God's healing light to. I will repeat this affirmation three times. They are submerged in eternal light. It permeates every particle of their being. They are living in that light. The Divine Spirit fills them within and without. They are submerged in eternal light. It permeates every particle of their being. They are living in that light. The Divine Spirit fills them within and without. They are submerged in eternal light. It permeates every particle of their being. They are living in that light. The Divine Spirit fills them within and without. Now we come to our last topic, asking reverent questions. Master said, another right approach that the Chela may adopt is that of reverent questions to the Guru. The charcoal black ignorance of Maya within the worldly mind can best be dispelled by permitting the Guru to bestow the sunshine of truthful teachings. A nice time to ask reverent questions is at the close of a meditation. And it's very helpful if we have faith that the question will be answered at the right time, whether it's immediately, in a week, a month, or much longer. I actually have one question I asked of God 10 years ago, and I figure somehow the answer must be complicated. 
But right now, I will share a few questions that I asked of Divine Mother because they're general and they include all of you. Now, the answers came fairly quickly and not in a blaze of light or bliss, just a gentle intuition that still inspires me whenever I think of it. Then, after a few moments of, moments of silence, I will invite each one of you to think of a question or questions that you would like to ask of God in whatever concept you hold most dear. So these are the questions I asked. Divine Mother, where do you dwell? I dwell in the hearts of everyone, though not everyone knows. Divine Mother, who am I to you? You are my precious one. All are my precious ones, but not everyone knows. Divine Mother, will you help me to see as you see? I will. Will you help me to understand as you understand? I will. Will you help me to love as you love? I will. So now I invite each of you to think of the concept of God that you hold most dear and ask your question or questions. In closing, let us once again remember Master's words. The true universal art of prayer is a means for reestablishing your eternal, irrevocable, yet long-forgotten personal relationship with God. Our relationship with God is personal, and He wants us back. Maybe we can assure Him, it's time now, God. You and me, forever. No more separation, only oneness. God and Guru's eternal love to all. Jai Guru, Jai Ma.